What is? What is? What is? What is biblical counseling? Biblical counseling will grow you from brokenness to wholeness. The light bulbs are going off in my head. <laughs> this is like deep. I just haven't thought of it that way. It's mind blowing to me. I don't know if I've ever had anybody put it that plainly to me before. All this time I've been going to church, this never resonated with me. This is Transformed. And now your host, Assistant Professor of Biblical Counseling at the Masters University and Certified Biblical Counselor, Dr. Greg Gifford. Welcome back to Transformed. My name is Dr. Greg Gifford, and I am your host. And I'm super thankful for Jimmy, who's been doing a lot of work in producing and editing. So, Jimmy, thank you, sir. For those of you that have written in, I am still chopping my way through your questions. And today we are talking about blasphemous slash intrusive thoughts and some of those intrusive thoughts as being actually blasphemous. Kelly wrote in and she said, I've been struggling with blasphemous intrusive thoughts for a few years now. Most of the time when we say blasphemous thoughts, those are thoughts that are actually anti-God. So blasphemy in the Bible is where we are we're seeing things like you are desecrating God's name or you are being blasphemous towards God. Blasphemous is when we're minimizing important things, the deity of Christ, the role of the Holy Spirit, Matthew 12. So when Jesus claims that he is the Son of God, he's accused by the Jewish council of being blasphemous. So when we say blasphemous, I do think you can create a category of sacrilegious, anti-God, derogatory towards the Scripture. Those are your blasphemous thoughts. And there's another category where it's intrusive thoughts. And intrusive thoughts, we generally mean undesired thoughts that seem to pop into our mind. We're just sitting at our desk at work and boom, all of a sudden it comes. Or we're driving down the road and boom, all of a sudden that intrusive thought comes. So an intrusive thought isn't always a blasphemous thought, and a blasphemous thought is usually an intrusive thought. It's not something that you just sat down and progressively worked through to get to that final blasphemous thought. How do we think about those in general? You know, I don't want to speculate too much about your dreams. Uh, Biblical counseling doesn't do a whole lot in regard to dreams. That's more of a Sigmund Freud thing. For those of you that have a level of familiarity, Sigmund Freud was big into psychoanalysis, and psychoanalysis, dream analysis, was a big part because your unconscious, subconscious, you're wanting to discern and figure out what's going on down in there. So dreams were a big part of learning the real you. Biblical counseling, it's not that we discredit dreams, but dreams are more like passive thoughts. So if you are awake, what is your passive thought? Or if you're sleeping, what is your passive thought? And sometimes you do dream about some things that are just wacky. You know, you're, you're running from the dog that's chasing you. Ah, you jump off the cliff and wake up and think, oh, thank you, Lord. That was just a dream. Your heart's racing. Uh, but some of us, it's not always total fiction. It's kind of a, an amalgamation of truth with exacerbated fears enters into my dreams. So you have, you have a, a, a portion of reality that is really aggrandized in your dream, and, and then it just becomes a nightmare and terrifying. How do we think about thoughts? Well, I mean, to a degree, how do you think about those thoughts? Where do they come from? There is a sense in which there are many people that just experience those types of thoughts and are not aware that they are experiencing those thoughts. 
Does that make sense? So you have a thought that comes and you simply respond to it. Now you're agitated or fearful or whatever it is, but you've never paused and said, wait a minute, wait a minute. Where is that thought coming from? If you have a Bible, I hope that you would grab it and open up to Hebrews chapter four. So when we understand people according to the scripture, we first of all have to get back to a biblical anthropology, which says your immaterial heart is the center. It's the locus. It's the control center, the control tower of all that you do. It is that fundamental explanation for why I do what I do and where my actions and behaviors come from. When I when I wonder where did that come from, I have to get back to, well, the heart. Proverbs 4.23 says that it is the spring of the issues of life, meaning practically that that is where what I do flows from. So that idea of flowing or that idea of a spring, Jesus even uses for your words. Your words are coming from the abundance of your heart. We know that your actions come from your heart, Mark 7, 21 to 23. So we know that your heart is the center of why you do what you do. But did you know that the Bible actually locates thinking not in the organ of your brain, and we will discuss the difference between the mind and the brain in future episodes, but it locates thoughts and cognition in your immaterial heart, your inner person. There are examples of this in Scripture. Let's look at Hebrews 4, verse 12. It says, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. When you begin to wonder where do thoughts come from, I want you to hear that fundamentally the source of your thoughts is your immaterial person, your inner person, and that immaterial person is what the Bible calls your heart. So fundamentally, when we ask where do our thoughts come from, whether they're intrusive or whether they're not intrusive, we have to say they come from inside of us. Now consider another scenario. Do you remember when Jesus is in Capernaum and these disciples or these followers bring a man, they want Jesus to heal him, he's a paralytic, they show up at the house, it's full, so they begin to tear away the roof and lower him down. In that instance, the scribes are really offended that Jesus forgives this paralytic, and Jesus understands what they're thinking in their heart, the scripture says. So, In that instance, we know that thoughts are part of the immaterial heart. The Bible is going to say that where your thoughts come from is the immaterial aspect of you. So if you want to use the term heart, it's the most common and frequent term. I like that. I'm okay with that. If you want to use the term soul, again, I think that's biblically accurate. You could use heart or soul to encapsulate the inner person. If you just want to say inner man, Paul does that, 2 Corinthians 4, 16. Yeah, it's the inner versus the outer man. Because in each of those instances, it is a reference to the immaterial. So the immaterial side of who you are. So fundamentally, when you ask the question, where do those thoughts come from? Well, I I do know that cognition and thinking comes from my immaterial heart. Oftentimes, I'll get a question uh, like this. It's like, well, 
What do you think about satanic influence or satanic warfare when it comes to thoughts? And honestly, I'm not against the idea of satanic warfare. Uh, Let me give you a couple of reasons why I'm not against it. First of all, we do know that Satan is the father of lies. He's described as that in John 8. So lying is a, it is a, you know, a proposition. It, it is an idea. We do know that in 1 Timothy 4, demons do teach false teachings. So the teachings of demons, 1 Timothy 4.1, is not necessarily the action of demons. So there are ideas There are thoughts that are truly demonic. There are thoughts that are truly satanic. So I'm open to the idea of satanic influence, but not satanic control for a believer. So also remember this. The other side of that is, yes, Satan is the father of lies and he does work through false teaching, but he is not omniscient. Satan does not know your heart like Jesus knows your heart because Satan is not omniscient. So Satan doesn't know what you're thinking, quote unquote. So anytime I begin to say, well, where did that weird, crazy thought come from? Well, it must be Satan. At times I'm being dismissive of perhaps the real source of where that is coming from. If Satan is not omniscient and if Satan is not omnipresent, he doesn't know what I'm thinking, he doesn't know what's going on in the immaterial side of me, then I'm not sure I can always say, well, that was from Satan. I think it's a possibility, but it's not necessarily a probability. So don't just say, so don't just say bad thought came from Satan. Rather think, well, it is a possibility. Satan does work through false teaching. He's the father of lies. Yes, yes, yes. But it is very possible that that thought simply came from my fallen nature. If you really do believe in Jeremiah 17, 9, that apart from redemption and conversion, apart from you being born again, that your heart is desperately sick, it's twisted, it's untrustworthy. If you really do believe that about your heart, then it does make sense how you could have some random thoughts that seem to come out of nowhere, honestly. If you really do believe in total depravity, then it shouldn't surprise you if this random thought that's scary pops up and you think, ah, am I a murderer? Should I call the cops on my own thoughts? What's happening here? Well, that's just a small reflection of who you were before you were in Christ. But through the work of the Holy Spirit renewing you, regenerating you, you are no longer given to that old nature anymore. So as a Christian, those thoughts should be less and less, as I'll discuss more, and you should see a level of greater self-control over those thoughts. So just to fundamentally answer the question, where does it come from? It comes from your heart. Our thoughts come from our heart. And there is a potential elicitation by Satan toward beliefs and toward ideas and teachings. But I think you have to guard against saying Satan can make me think something because there's nowhere in Scripture that says Satan can make you think something. He can tempt you with an idea, but he can't make you think something. So we're going to take a break. We will be right back here in a second. And we're going to pick up with the practicals of what do we do when those thoughts come. We'll be right back. All right, well, while we give Dr. Gifford just a moment to catch his breath, 
And he's barely been dropping some, some wisdom this week on conquering anxious thoughts through Scripture. And I want to highlight a resource we have in the Transform Store right now that I find that is super helpful in that regard. It's called Hope Living Confidently in God by John Kreitz. And in the book, he says, according to Jesus, anxiety may be the symptom of worship that's gone amiss. Sometimes our hearts are anxious because we've shifted our allegiance or trust back and forth from God to something else. When we don't trust God without reservation, doubt enters our heart and we may become like the double-minded man who is unstable. Powerful stuff. And actually, this whole book is pretty powerful and practical as well for breaking free from anxiety by fixing our eyes on Christ. It is Hope Living Confidently in God by John Crotz, and it's available at transform.org. And speaking of transformed, oh, we do need your help. Producing this program, well, it takes time and it takes money. And that's why we're asking if you would consider partnering with us, joining us, and becoming an ongoing monthly gospel partner. We want to continue equipping Christians to find freedom in God's Word, and we need your help in order to do that. Head on over to transform.org and find out how you can become a gospel partner. And, and that reminds me, if you also feel called to possibly enter the world in the realm of biblical counseling, we'll bless you because our churches are in dire need of biblical counselors. And we've got some help to get you started. A book that I would highly recommend to you while you're at transform.org is Counseling, How to Counsel Biblically by Dr. John MacArthur. One thing that he says is wise counselors don't just confront anything. They do many different things that make confrontation timely and effective. It, it's such great advice for aspiring biblical counselors, and it's a book that will help you get the ball rolling on becoming a biblical counselor. You can And you can find it as well as all of our resources available right now at transformed.org. And finally, real quick, before we get back to Dr. Gifford, if you have any issues that you might be struggling with that you would like to get some advice from Dr. Gifford on, you can always send him an email at greg at transformed.org and then listen because you very well may hear him answer your question on a future episode of Transform. Now, let's get back to Dr. Gifford as he continues to talk about taking our thoughts captive. This is Transform. Welcome back to Transform. The world's definition of beauty is simply not found in the Bible. Instead, the Bible informs us that true beauty is defined not by this world, but by God Himself. And now your host, Dr. Greg Gifford. Okay, welcome back. Thank you, Jimmy. Thank you for those that have been joining. So back to intrusive, blasphemous thoughts. The question is, what do we do? How do we consider these thoughts? What should we do about these thoughts? Where do they come from? In the last segment, I said, they come from your heart. Biblically speaking, cognition takes place in your immaterial heart. So does that mean that those thoughts are uncontrollable? Well, I think that question deserves a level of nuance. Where do they come from? Are the thoughts uncontrollable? I'm okay with saying that they are uncontrollable in the sense that you did not actively choose for it to pop into your mind. Once that takes place, we could say, yes, maybe you did not choose for that thought to pop into your mind. You saw that thing and boom, you smelled that thing and boom. Seriously, smells will sometimes even conjure up thoughts for us, memories. Yes, that's totally fair. 
But once that thought comes to your mind, by God's grace and the power of the Holy Spirit, you now can you now can discipline. Sorry, I said canned. You can canned things as well. Past tense, canned jams, sardines. But you can control your thoughts. And the reason you can is not because you're so tough and strong. It's because God's spirit abides in you. So there is nothing that has to control you other than the spirit of God. So if you do believe that God's spirit is in you as the scripture teaches, then when that thought pops like popcorn into your mind, you then control what to do next. So if that thought pops into your mind and you go down this downward spiral of what ifs and how could and regrets, then you are allowing that thought to then take control. But if that thought pops into your mind and then you immediately address it in a way that is biblical, in a way that God would have you to address it, then that's going to prevent those downward spirals from taking place. So is it uncontrollable? Well, maybe in the sense of it popped into your mind, you did not control that. Okay. But not in the sense of it came to my mind and I couldn't do anything about it. So let me give you a couple of thoughts on this. And I do want you to recall with me Romans 12. So a couple of thoughts before I mention Romans 12. I do want to encourage you as the listener to recognize that you cultivate the renewing of your mind. You cultivate that. I don't want you to see yourself as an empty receptacle and thoughts are just deposited into your mind. Practically, we can see ourselves as very passive. And what I mean by passive is just think of like an empty trash can and we're just waiting. Okay, Lord, please change me. Please come and dump new thoughts into me. We're waiting, Lord, please help me while I'm watching raunchy movies. I'm listening to raunchy music. I'm reading raunchy books. Lord, renew my mind. I don't know why I'm struggling so much. Help me. Raunchy TV series. And you're thinking to yourself, if you're spending 10 of your waking hours watching raunchiness, and you can define that however might be appropriate in your context, then how do you think God is going to renew your mind, honestly? You watch 10 hours of raunchiness and have an awful thought. Does that surprise you to a certain degree? Does that surprise you? Because you've spent the majority of your waking hours renewing your mind with junk. And what the scripture calls you to is to avoid conformity to the world and to be transformed but transformed in a specific way by the renewing of your mind. Your mind, Romans 12, 2, is that immaterial aspect of who you are. Listeners, if you are engaging in all this junk and muck throughout the day, you have no significant engagement in the Bible, no Bible reading plan, no devotions. You're not regularly involved in church. You don't have a Bible study that you attend. So it's just you and awfulness the majority of the time. Then don't be surprised if you have intrusive thoughts that are awful. I mean, honestly, like don't be surprised. We've renewed our mind with junk. What the scriptures call us to is to renew our mind And when you renew your mind, this is primarily in the context of your thoughts. It's not exclusively what you think, but it is a renewal of your mind. It means that you're doing your best to have God work in you, and you're working to put on thoughts that are honoring to him. 
So turn over to Ephesians 4, which mentions this idea of being renewed in the spirit of your mind. In Ephesians 4, you have a kind of a three-step process. And us in biblical counseling, we will often describe this as the process of biblical change. Biblical change isn't one-dimensional, meaning that we don't just say, well, stop doing the bad uh, stuff, like stop thinking bad thoughts. Come on, why are you doing that? That's often where our level of change with intrusive thoughts comes. We're like, okay, bad thought came. Uh, Don't think about it. Well, if you tell me not to think about something, I don't know. It becomes like the forbidden fruit. All of a sudden, I'm like, oh, that's all I can think about. It's dominating my mind right now. Don't think about that thing. Okay, well, what do I think about? Biblically, the process for change, which includes the renewal of your mind, is Ephesians 4.22, to put off your old self. Then verse 23, be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on the new self created after likeness of God and true righteousness and holiness. I do think that the renewal of the mind is partly God's work in you. This is passive here. So we have passive voice that's being used. So God renews your mind as, excuse me, you put off the old man and put on the new man. When you are struggling with an intrusive thought, it is not enough for you to say, don't think about this. You need to turn the corner to what should I think about? And that is the renewal of the mind. You fight those intrusive thoughts with God's truth. So let's just say that you have a really off the wall thought. Boom, you're sitting there. It's random. You don't know where it came from. You don't know why it came at this exact moment. But boom, it came. Popcorn pop. You haven't gotten up from your desk. You haven't done anything different, but you simply say, you know what? That's not accurate. What God says in his word is this. And then you rehearse what God says in his word. So if there's ever a time when you're thinking like, okay, random thought about hurting that person has popped into my mind, then you think, no, 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 Lord, that's wrong of me to think that. You have described everyone as being an image bearer. Please help me to consider them as an image bearer and to honor them according to that dignity. In that that microtesimal moment, in those nanoseconds that have just occurred, I haven't done anything different. I haven't gotten up from the table. I haven't gotten up from my desk. I have renewed my mind with the truth of Scripture. Listeners, you fight intrusive thoughts with the Word of God in that way. If something pops into your mind that is against the Lordship of Christ, 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3 through 5, then you bring it into captivity. You take those thoughts captive to Christ. So if you have a wayward thought that pops into your mind, I want you to take it captive by identifying what it is, repenting of it if necessary, and then meditating and renewing your mind with what the Bible actually says. So let me highlight that second step. I'm not going to go super in-depth, but if you have an intrusive thought that is sinful, I would like you to get into the habit of saying, Lord, please forgive me. Please work in me so that I don't have those types of thoughts anymore. And then renew your mind with the truth of Scripture. You have to own it. If we sin, even at the level of our thoughts, we need to be willing to own that before the Lord. No, I haven't acted on it yet, but a sinful thought is still a sin in the end. So popcorn pop, thought comes into your mind, 
If it is sinful, we repent of it, then we fight that thought with the truth of God's Word. So if you're stuck with intrusive thoughts, the legwork that you're going to have to invest is not so much in going to analyze your dreams. It's not so much in going back to your childhood and figuring out where those thoughts may have come from. The legwork is going to be uh, take that thought to God's Word analyze what God's Word has to say about that thought, and then renew your mind with that specific truth. So if, it, if it's thoughts about hurting someone, renew your mind with what God says about that. If it's thoughts about hurting yourself, renew your mind with what God says about that. If it's thoughts that are blasphemous, renew your mind with what God says about that. If it's thoughts of fear, renew your mind with what God says about that. And over time, you'll find that God is bringing about transformation through His Spirit so that those thoughts decrease, decrease, and decrease. And when they do pop up, honestly, they're not a big deal anymore. So your goal is faithfulness in this. I wish I could say, hey, there's a magic pill on the Transform store. Go buy it, and you'll never have an intrusive thought again. That's not the way that sanctification works. It's progressive. So if you're willing to commit yourself to progressively addressing these thoughts in a way that honors the Lord, you will see progress. I guarantee it. As a Christian, you have all the resources you need for change. You have the Bible. You have the Holy Spirit. You have the church. So have hope to see that those thoughts don't have to dominate you. But you do have to invest some sweat equity to see this change come about in your life. So let me pray for you. We have to be done for today. Let me pray that God would continue to set you free, Kelly, and then others that are wrestling with similar things. Lord, we all have intrusive thoughts to a certain degree, things that pop into our mind and we wonder where did that come from. Help us to, with clarity, understand your word as it applies to those thoughts. And may the truth, as Jesus said it would, may it set us free. Help us not to be dominated by our fears, dominated by concerns, dominated by the what-ifs of life, but to be dominated by the truth of your word. And as you set us free, may we not be free just for relief's sake, but may we be free so that we can honor you and serve others well. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. This has been Transform with Dr. Greg Gifford, a production of Gospel Partners Media. Our website, of course, is transformed.org, and it is your central hub for finding in-depth information on all things transformed. If you've enjoyed Transform with Dr. Greg Gifford, consider subscribing and sharing with your friends and church family. Also, would you prayerfully consider joining this labor of love by becoming an ongoing monthly Gospel Partner? And until next time, go serve your King. 